in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10, just like three minutes of recap from last week, especially for those that weren't here last week. Jesus is answering um, a group of people who are constantly criticizing him for hanging out with sinners. And in fact, it's not just that he talked to sinners, but one of the accusations was that this guy eats with sinners. In other words, he spends time with them. It'd be one thing if he was just teaching them, your sinners, repent. But this guy who claims to be the son of God, he's hanging out with people that religious folks just don't hang out with. And Jesus, in response to that, really in rebuke to that, he gives them the parable of the lost sheep. And he says, which one of you, if you had a hundred sheep and one of them was lost, which one of you would leave the fold to go find the lost sheep? And in essence, he says, that's what I've come to do. That's what God does. And if you think that shepherd rejoices when he finds a lost sheep, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one soul who comes to know the Lord. And then he gives this parable and says, or what woman having lost a coin? So that first parable, everybody's going to relate to. The ladies are going to understand it, but it's really aimed specifically at shepherds, at men. Now Jesus gives another parable that relates to a woman who's lost something of a great value to her and that she searches to find it. A couple things about this coin. First of all, all the Bible says is that it's a coin, one of ten. So let's acknowledge that's what the Bible says. I've done research over the years. I've read different commentaries. I've had people with different opinions. Uh, some say this is just a coin. It's, just, it's like money and it's, it's value and that's why she was searching for it. Others have said that this is a coin that possibly was part of some Jewish tradition that she received at her wedding, and that it actually was a coin with a hole on it that went through a necklace, and that losing the coin would be similar to losing your wedding ring. Just to be clear, the Bible does not say that. Maybe it's true. I don't know. But here's what the Bible does tell us. This is a coin that had great value to this woman, and whatever happened when she lost it, it was very important to her to find it. Jesus employs this type of idea to help you and I understand the importance of the human soul to God, the importance of you as a person to God. Now, there are times that we all lose things and have to find them, and there's a difference between something that is really valuable that you cannot give up until you find it versus something that's just lost. I mean, all of us have lost things before that are valuable. And then we've lost things that aren't quite so valuable, that aren't worth searching for. I used this analogy in the first service, but for me, I'm not a super patient person. It's not real uncommon for me if I lose a tool to look for like five minutes, and if I can't find it, I'll just go to Lowe's and buy another one. <laughs> I figure my wife lost it. It's time for me to get another one. <laughs> True story. I actually, this just happened yesterday. Just yesterday. Uh, 
uh, Chris Hernandez can uh, verify this. I texted him to ask if he had my uh, leaf blower. And I knew that he'd brought it back, but he texted back and said, no, I brought it back. I said, well, that's what I thought. My son's looking for the leaf blower. And I was just busy, but I was thinking to myself, it's about time for a new leaf blower anyways. I've had that one for a while. I'm like, do I send the boy to go buy one? Will he get the one I want? Do I? And so I, I was this close to buying a leaf blower. About four minutes later, he shows up with it. He found it. And there are certain things that all of us lose that is kind of like, eh. But in the parable, this is something that has much greater value. It's not so much the dollar value of it. It's that it mattered to the owner and that the owner was willing to do whatever it took to find this coin. And Jesus uses this analogy to talk about God searching for us. And so this morning, I want to share with you two similarities between you and the lost coin. And I want to finish with one major difference. First of all, let's look at the similarities. Number one, the coin cannot achieve its purpose while it's lost. This coin had value. And while she clearly didn't want to sell it or give it away, it had a value. It had a purpose. But so long as the coin was lost, it's not possible for the coin to achieve the purpose for which it was created. Thus, the owner is searching for it. She could not get her mind off of it. She had to find it. What was this coin meant to do? Like I said, we don't even know for sure. But we do know this. It could not fulfill its purpose until it was first back into the hands of who, of, to whom it belonged. So it is with you. So long as you are lost, you cannot fulfill your God-given purpose for which you were created. You know, I'm a real believer that a lot of the gifts and talents that we have, God-given gifts and God-given talents, not gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just mean the gifts and talents that God gives us as individuals that make us unique, that He designed us to use to further His kingdom. I believe that a lot of those are put into us at birth. Like, we're born with those things. But so long as you're lost, you will never actually find yourself using those things for the right purpose. I wasn't saved till I was 20 years old, and a lot of the gifts and talents that God has given me that, he, that I've been able to use and employ over the last 22 years of being a Christian, I had those gifts and talents before I was saved, but I did not use them for what they were designed to be used for. I was not fulfilling my purpose. And consequently, I mainly use them to like gratify myself and further my own agenda. But here, here, here was the truth about it all. It led me to a place of darkness in my life, a place of great emptiness, a place where I felt like I had no purpose, I had no meaning, what's the point of life? It did not matter how much I used my gifts and my talents for me and for me and for me and for me. The more that I did, the more that I 
took those things and used them to gratify my own self, the less and less I felt real value. It's been said, I've I've heard it used this way. It's it's as if there was this God-shaped vacuum, and I'm trying to fill it with everything else. And no matter how much I tried to fill it, no matter how much I used the talents that I had, the gifts that I had to try to fill that, that vacuum, it could not be filled. Why? Because I was lost. And until I was found, it was not possible for me to ever accomplish my God-given purpose. This is true of every single person under the sound of my voice. God has a purpose for you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And until you truly embrace your God-given purpose to live for him and to glorify him and to take all of your talents and all of your gifts that God's given you and use them to bring him up and to lift him up and to bring other people to him. Till you use your God-given purposes for what they were created, you will find that just like the lost coin, you cannot achieve the purpose for which you were created. Number two, Note that the coin did not lose value simply because it was lost. I mean, that's why the woman was searching for it. It was lost, but it still had the same value to her. This is why the woman went after the coin. It's why the shepherd goes after the sheep. It's why the father in the story that follows of the prodigal son runs off of the deck to find his son, wraps his arms around him, kisses him on the cheek, and says, let's throw a party. My son has come home. Put the robe on him. Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate the reason for the lost coin being found, the reason for going after the shepherd, the reason for the father rejoicing is because no matter how lost something is, it does not lose its value. You recognize the enemy, the devil, he wants us to believe the exact opposite. He wants you to feel like you have no value, like your life does not matter. You know, one of the things that I have observed over the last 10 years that The mental health of young people, especially teenagers and young college students, that 13 to 24 age range, the mental health of this group of people, and they're not the only ones, but I'm going to talk about them right now, it's really declined in the last 10 years. And one of the things that is most commonly reported is feelings of depression and anxiety. And when I talk with young people and have the opportunity to really dig into what's going on in that heart, here's what we find. So often, one of the root causes of this sense of anxiety and depression is this feeling of having no purpose, no value. I don't understand why my life matters. This feeling that no matter what they do, no matter how they, what, what the future holds, 
that their life does not matter. It, I don't have purpose. Why am I here? And there's this feeling of, I have no value. This is an absolute tactic of the devil to make people feel worthless. And in demonstrating that we have worth, Jesus points to a parable of a coin that never loses its value. It does not matter how lost it is. It does not matter how long it's lost. It does not matter where it is. It does not matter what it's gone through. The coin does not lose value because it's lost. I want to demonstrate that this morning in a way that hopefully will give you a visual. I've got a couple of volunteers. If you guys will get my object lesson in place, that would be appreciated. And while they're getting that in place, I need some people to help me verify something. Can you tell me what this is? Can you verify? Is that real? It's not real. This is my daughter. And just because she might try to help her dad out with a sermon or two. You might not trust her. Let's get some other eyes on this. Can you take a look at that and tell me what that is? This is a real. You surely, you know, how are you? 12. Can you please verify that's a real $100 bill? She says it is. She says it is. I'm going to do one more verification here with Miss Kelly Wilkes. Can you take a look at that and just verify? Is that a real $100 bill? It is. Okay. All right. So I have a real $100 bill. It's in good shape. It's crisp. It's unmarked. It's kind of a silly question. Thank you, gentlemen. But... What is this worth? That's the question. $100. It's a good answer. Now, what if I were to take this $100 bill and I were to put it in this here and soak it in soda? But not just soda, let's say I really soak this thing in all sorts of junk. Let's just say I really drown this thing. In junk food. You can't see that in there. But it's in there. I mean that thing is absolutely... Soaked in junk food. Can anybody tell me at the moment exactly what is the value of this bill now that I've soaked it in junk food? $100. Good. Good. Find it. What if we were to take it out? And not just junk food, but let's say we were to soak it in alcohol. And a bunch of random pills. Just let it saturate there in alcohol and pills. What's it worth now? Still worth $100, isn't it? I mean, it's going through quite a bit of junk right here, but so far we haven't lost its value. What if I put it over here? Make matters worse. Soak this thing in all sorts of other powders. 
What's it worth now? $100. Good. Catching on. So what if I do more with it? What if I were to take it, treat it like a piece of trash, crumple it up, throw it on the floor? Wow, still worth $100? Hmm. What if we, we don't have time to do this, but what if we were all just take a turn, stomping on this thing, treating it like a piece of trash? kicking it around a little bit, walking on it. It's been stomped on now. It's been through a lot. What is the value of that bill as it sits before us? Good. What if I were to take it and, I mean, just really say some awful things to it? Tell it it's a stupid piece of trash. It's never going to amount to anything. That nobody wants you. What's it worth? What if I actually took it and tore it? And now it's, it's actually scarred for life. That's, that's not fixable. Can somebody tell me, as I hold this in my hand, torn and abused like this, what's this thing worth? Yeah. And if I were to take it, And to really make a point, throw it in the trash where you belong. As it sits there in the trash, what is it worth? Yeah. Jesus says, this coin, no matter how lost it is, it doesn't lose its value because it's lost. You see, the devil's a liar. He wants you to feel like you've been through too much, you've had too much happen to you, you have failed too miserably to ever matter to God. But absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus says you are so valuable that not only does your value not change, but that he would go to the extent of hanging on a cross and shedding his blood and breathing his last breath Just so that he could find you like that lost coin. Your value does not change no matter what you have been through. You will find that a lot of times people, they feel like because of what they've experienced, how they've been brought up, maybe how they failed, issues that they have, things that they've struggled with. They feel like, well, I could never, God would never want me. God God wants somebody else. It is impossible for me to overstate the love that God has for you. God is so good. And when the whole world is saying, Jesus, I don't understand. Why why would you go after those people? Why would you eat with those people? Why would you spend time with those people? Jesus gives us these stories to communicate to us just how much he loves us. you're lost this morning, if you're hearing me preach and you know you're not right with God, you're not saved, I plead with you to come to Jesus. 
You were created by him and for him. You will never truly know your purpose until you allow him to take you up in his arms and in his hands. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is one thing that you have very different, one, one thing that's very different between the coin and you. The coin does not have choice. You know, in any given parable, there's only so far you can push it. There's only so far you can take the points and push it. It's great that Jesus, in the next parable, gives the story of a boy who comes to himself and chooses to come home. Lest some people take these parables way too far and try to say, you have no ability to come to God. Yes, you do. But what are the things that keep us from coming to God? Look what Jesus said in John chapter 7, uh, verse 37. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come. He said something very similar in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is where the parable of the coin, it stops. Because the coin doesn't have the choice to come back to its owner. It's just desperately waiting for the owner to find it. But when God comes to us, and God stirs our heart, and he awakens our spirit to who he is, and what we are, and what we need to be doing, God never forces us against our will to come to him. He does everything in his power to show us that he is good, that he is faithful, that he loves us with a perfect love and that we have value to him. I wish, I, I, I don't know how to overstate the truth that you have value to God this morning. You matter to God. So what keeps you from coming? If you're lost here this morning, I ask the question, what keeps you from coming to God? And I plead with you, whatever it is this morning, would you take the time to stop and let your mind and your heart wrap around the fact that you are important to God, that He loves you with a deeper and greater love than anybody on this planet could ever love you, and that you matter to Him, and there should be nothing that could keep you from Him. But I want to speak as well to the Christian. You know, the devil uses the same tactics against us, folks. How many, you don't have to raise a hand, but just be honest with yourself. Christians, how many times in your life have you had some inkling or something to maybe do something for the Lord, to get involved in one way or another, and you think to yourself, well, why would God want to use me? You think to yourself, well, I'm not worthy. Or, 
Or let's deal with the reality that things happen. And we, we end up getting trapped sometimes by the devil's schemes in our life because we weren't prepared. And we end up getting trapped in one way or another and drugged through it all. And all of a sudden we think, God, how I knew better. It was one thing before when I was a lost sinner. But as a Christian, I fell on my face and I did something I shouldn't have done. I found myself in a place that I never should have been. And now because of what I did or because of what happened to me, God could never use me. The devil is a liar, folks. Your heavenly Father wants you to know there's not anything in the world that you could ever do. There's not anything that could ever happen to you that would change your value to Him. But I plead with you this morning, until you're back in the hands of your Master, you can't be used like He wants to use you. You won't find purpose in your life like God has purpose for you. Don't allow the lies of the enemy to keep you from coming to the Lord. Don't allow the, uh, the lies of the enemy to cause you to just cut yourself out from ever being used by God and of ever mattering. Listen, you matter beyond my ability to communicate it this morning. It does not matter what you've done. It does not matter what has happened to you. It does not matter what people have said about you. It does not matter. You are valuable to God. As our worship team gets in place this morning, I want to show you something that really blesses me and jumps off of the pages in these parables. There's something that's consistent in all three. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the story of the father. I want you to notice it's not actually the angels that we are told that are rejoicing in heaven. Look what Luke 15.10 says. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So the joy that's happening, the rejoicing that's taking place, it's not the angels that are rejoicing necessarily. It says that this rejoicing is happening before the angels. So who's rejoicing? The answer is the Father. God is the one who rejoices when a sinner turns to him. In the story of the prodigal son, it's the father who runs off of the porch and celebrates and says, it's time for a party. Put the robe on him. Put the ring on him. Put shoes on his feet. Kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. Have you ever considered the fact that God celebrated when you got saved. Have you ever thought about that? That God danced and celebrated in front of his angels when you got saved. Have you ever saw truly how much you matter to God? And you need to hear it this morning. There's not anything you could do. There's not anything that could happen to you that would change how valuable you are to God. So I ask the question again, 
What keeps you from really just giving yourself to him this morning? What lie are you believing that's really causing you to try to keep yourself at a distance from God? And you're trying to fix yourself and you're trying to make yourself valuable. You're trying to make yourself presentable so that one day you feel like finally God would want you. God says to all of us this morning, what more could I do to possibly prove to you my love? I have given my best. I gave my son and he shed his blood so that I could have you. And when you were lost, I came searching for you. When you were running from me, I came searching for you. I put you on my shoulders and carried you back to the village. I found you in that place of darkness when you were lost and I took you in. God says there is nothing more he could do, folks, to prove to us he loves us. He loves you.